looking for truth from God's Word that you can understand and apply to your life? You'll find it today on Make It Clear with Dr. Stan Pons. Listen now as Stan makes it clear. When was the last time you went nose to nose, eye to eye, and toes to toes with someone where you got into the message of the gospel completely and actually brought that person to a decision? Now, I didn't say they trusted Christ, but brought them to that point. Now, I'll quickly say you cannot do that with everyone, and perhaps maybe not every single day will you go that far. But the question is, though, how far did you get with the gospel intentionally to help them come to faith in Christ? When I was in school, they used the old phrase, probe them with the gospel. Now, was it this morning when you got gas or picked up some, some maybe a Big Mac or something? Was it yesterday? Was it the week before? When was the last time that you personally got into it? So now that substantiates the issue. The reason it's so difficult to reach the world is because of the condition of people. We're just not doing it. Now it's easy to say, well, I think about it and I want to and occasionally I might put a track in an envelope and if it's a great function, I'll invite them to church. I want to celebrate all of that because unfortunately there are Christians that don't even go that far. But at the same time, isn't it about time that we might grow a little bit, stretch ourselves, be a little bit more um, intentional in our loving witness to try to go a little bit further with others? Well, the condition of God's people does make it difficult. Sometimes we do feel like we're all alone. And let's not be that way. Satan would love to muddy up our message, mess up our life, so we wouldn't be faithful to him, to the Lord. All right, number four. The fourth reason is because our message appears foolish. It says, For the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, we've spoke to that issue already, but again, I just want you to remember that the world will always try to make you feel foolish for what you believe. How can this man die a bloody death on a cross? How can all that stuff say? How can you believe a book that's so filled with air in here? And how do those millions and gazillions of animals fit on that itsy bitsy teeny weeny ark? They'll do anything they can to make you and this message appear foolish so that they then don't have to encounter the depth of the truth of it or to find out the reality of it is they're under condemnation if they don't trust Christ. They're under liberation and freedom and eternal life when they do trust Christ as their Savior. So it will appear foolish to them, but that's okay. How many times have we shared truth with others about other issues that at the time it sounded a little squirrely, but often they got it and all of a sudden, wow, I got that. Nothing's more better than the word of God. And finally, because the opportunities to let the whole world know would be great, and it is great. I mentioned to you often the times that Carol and I are encouraged and, and released to go on these mission trips, and we go to, yeah, remote areas, but to get to those remote areas, we land in airports that are just teeming with people that by far we feel like we might be the only Christian there. And as we look at these people, we think, how many of them are lost? How do you even break the language barrier? How do you even explain who Christ is who never even heard of the name Christ, let alone what he's done on the cross? How do you do that? How do you do that when you go to a big stadium here at a football game and you see thousands of people? People watching the game that still don't know Christ. How do you reach? It seems like it's so big. And I'm going to tell you, it's like eating an apple. How do you eat an apple, everyone? One bite at a time. You feel like sometimes you're a mosquito in a nudist camp. Where do I begin? I forget that illustration, but you got my point. Don't give up, people. Please don't give up. 
Stay with it. Dr. Edmund, who taught at Wheaton College that produced Billy Graham and the five martyred missionaries, he used to teach his students this very profound statement. It is always too soon to quit. So stay with it. Don't give up on that person. Don't give up praying. Don't give up living the separated, wonderful life of grace. Don't give, don't give up on loving that person. And don't give up on giving them the message. Listen, listen, listen. When they put up a lighthouse over a harbor, they do it because there are rocks and the ships that are coming into that harbor could crash. When the seas are calm and it's plenty bright out there, who cares about looking at some lighthouse? Nobody does. But you get it real dark and the seas are boisterous, and the ship could crash, what do you think is going to be the first thing that captain is going to look for in that storm, that lighthouse? But the problem is with lighthouses, with some people, is that we, we're on when everything is good, but then we get, nobody's looking at us, nobody really cares, it really doesn't matter, you know, so forget that little flicker of flame along all that mirrors to be able to broadcast it out, let me just go on to sleep, nobody cares about my job as that lighthouse keeper only to have that storm come up. And may I tell you, it's not only important that you shine all the time faithfully, but it's important that you keep your glass clean, a clean and close and pure life. Because when that storm hits, those ships are going to look for you at a far off distance. Why? Because they remember that during those calm days that you were there faithful. So those friends of yours that you keep lovingly sharing the gospel and everything is fine with them. They don't need Christ. They care, hardly care about you. They like you as long as you don't bring up Christ. That's all right. But when God takes their life and causes a storm in that life, who do you think will be the first person that they'll look to? Watch this. The person who loved them no matter what and the person who knew the truth because they knew you went through a storm and you survived. They'll come to you. So that's why you have to be so faithful at giving that message. There will be results, and Jesus promised it. Second question is, what is the basis for seeing results? You heard about it this morning, but it's really God's grace and salvation. You know, in this passage of Scripture, you're going to find the word gift there because the word gift and grace come from the same Greek word, so gift and grace kind of go together. So what are the three different grace gifts that are mentioned in John 17? The first one is the Father's love gift to the world. God gave to the world His Son, Jesus Christ. That is God's gift to your friends. Look at the verse. It says this. And this is eternal life that they may know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. I've glorified you on the earth. I finished the work which you have given me to do. So the gift of God is going to be Jesus Christ. For God so loved the world, he gave his only son. The gift of God is Jesus Christ, eternal life. That's God's gift. And God has given it to the world. We will see results. And it's found in grace. I'll talk about that in a moment. Here's the second gift. This is the son's love gift to the world. So God gave the son, but Jesus gave his life. And when he gave his life attached to that was eternal life now to those who would believe. So he gave his life, but he also gave eternal life who all receive him. And so that's the important thing. And look at the verse. It says, As you, God the Father, have given him, God the Son, Christ, authority over all flesh, that he, God the Son, should give eternal life to as many as given him. And then number three, the Father's love gift to the Son. This one is often not spoken of. It's almost so mystical, it's hard to understand, but it is so poignant. Here it is. God gave his Son, 
Christ then gave us eternal life. Now here's what God does. God says, because my son gave his life and eternal life to others, I'm going to give to my son everyone who's trusted Christ as Savior. So Jesus gave his life, and so God says, look at these people. You die for those people. Look what you've done. Now I'm going to give all those people that you have now saved as a gift back to you for what you've done for them. Now I want you to know that is grace. Now, why is that important that you'll see results? Because of this very reason. No matter who your family is or friends are, no matter how bad they are, no matter what their religiosity might be, God's grace says that you are saved not by works of righteousness, but according to His grace. That means, here it is, anyone can make it into heaven. So that means you will see results because it is so easy. Not easy believism, but it is so easy because all it takes is faith. It doesn't mean you have to walk across glass. It doesn't mean that you have to do all this other stuff. All you have to do is in your heart believe that Jesus is the Lord who died and place your faith alone in Him. That's why Ephesians 2, 8, 9 and the verses above that speak so much about grace. Look at it. Here's what you read. It says this. Even when we were dead in trespasses and sins, those are our loved ones, the people we work with, our neighbor across the street. No matter how they might live their life, they're still dead in their sin. So dead that they cannot make themselves alive by any good deed that they do. Then it goes on to say, we were dead in sins, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved. That's why it's in bold print, so you'll see it. And then he raised us up together and made us to sit together in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us in Christ Jesus. Now would you read the last part of that, the last sentence. For by grace have you been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Look up here for a second. This grace gift that God gives all in the person of Jesus Christ tells you that it is not a religion. Religion comes from two Latin words. Re means to go back. Ligio means to bind. That's where we get our word ligament. So religions are man trying to bind their way back up to God. Christianity is what God did for us. That's because it's not a system of works. It's based on a relationship with Him that happens when we are born again by faith alone in Him. And that's why it's all grace. Now watch this too. In that passage it says, Now I'm saved by grace. So when I trust Christ as Savior, through God's grace, nothing I deserve myself... Now I'm a blood-bought, born-again believer. That means I'm equal with Christ in the sense I'm in Christ and that I'm going to be put up in heaven with Christ. Now stay with me. This is important. So that now God has the right and will show to the world and say, do you want to see grace? Do you want to see my loving kindness? He's going to say, look at those Christians right here. That's an object lesson of my grace. You are an object lesson of God's grace. You are an object lesson of His loving kindness. It's all about God. So I don't get to heaven by my good works. Now you know the phrase that says, it is by faith alone in Christ alone. That is heavy doctrine. It is faith alone in Christ so you don't put works in it. So it's not by works. It's not by faith and works. It's faith alone. But stay with me. It also is by Christ alone. So some people might think, yes, it's by Christ, but it's also by some other people or some other things. So it's faith alone in Christ alone. All in one phrase, we are saved by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. And that's the message. That's why that there's going to be results, because it's all about God's grace and nothing we do ourselves. And finally is this. The last question is, how will I see results? Well, by obeying God's commands. Now, there are a lot of commands we need to obey. Every one of them ought to be there. We do it by His power. 
It's his life lived out through us. I know that. But I wanted to put by God's command. A number of years ago, I was teaching a summer in the uh, graduate program at Moody Bible Institute. I was, I'm, I'm, I'm nobody fancy. How they heard me, even to this day, I do not know how I got there. There was a joke made today that I looked like, uh, what's his name? Uh, what's the name of this actor? Dustin Hoffman, all right? I was leaning over there and I thought I heard my wife say, no, you don't look like Dustin Hoffman. I thought, oh, my wife is so sweet. She said, you look more like Mr. Ed. But uh, no, she didn't say that. She didn't say that. She didn't say that. But come back. So I'm really nobody. But while I was teen teaching with Kokoros, this class on evangelism, he looked out over these preachers that came back to get another injection on evangelism. And he said, there are a lot of motivations for you to share the gospel. It could be the love of God. It could be that you're going to get your reward at the judgment seat of Christ. It could be the good feeling. Your motivation ought to be because of what he's done for you. He said, there's tons of motivations and they're all good and many of them are biblical. He said, but if you had to reduce it to one, some of those, you just have to come back to the basic. And the basic is this. The reason I share the message with people and I don't quit is because God tells me to do it. It all boils down to one word. It's the word obedience. Military people know that. People that are in the world of work, they should know that when you obey your, your uh, superior. But we need to do, when God says it, I need to do it. I don't question that. That's what I need to do. Now, it doesn't mean I'll win that person to Christ, but I am to obey the message of getting it out to share with others. Look at this very important verse from Romans, if you will. Romans chapter 10, verse 14. You want to follow along because I'm going to spin this verse for you and show you something if you look at it in a different way. It begins saying it this way. How then shall they, this world that needs to know Christ, call on him? How can they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him who they've not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Now, not so much preacher like pulpiteer. It's more like a speaker, a proclaimer. And then it says, and how shall they proclaim unless they're sent? And it gives that beautiful phrase, as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the gospel of peace, who bring glad tidings of good things, which is talking about the message of by grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, for the glory of God alone. All right. That being said, are you looking at the verse now? I'm going to now read it to you backwards because I want you to see the proper progression starting from the front end of this thing by looking at it from the back end of it. So look at it carefully. It says, and how shall they preach unless they be sent? So circle the word sent and put a number one by that. That means that each one of you who knows Christ is your Savior, God told us to go out and to share the message. Now that doesn't necessarily mean that we're going to go to Africa or South America or Asia. We might. The point of the matter is wherever you go, you've been sent that wherever you're going, you're to do something. So we've all been sent. Stay with me. Then it says, and how shall they hear without a preacher? So circle the word preacher and put a number two by that. So I'm sent, but if I'm sent, it does no good unless I speak. So preacher, speaker. So you do need to open your mouth. And we've already taught you that if you're going to get into the gospel, it's very easy to do that. You move from a secular conversation to some spiritual conversation of some type that's safe into a final salvation conversation. So you've got to speak. Stay with me a little bit further. And then it says, And how shall they believe on him, of him, in him of whom they have not heard? So if you will, circle the word heard. They need to hear, but what do they need to hear now? They need to hear the pure, crystal, clear presentation of the gospel. They need to hear. I'll go a little bit further. And how shall they hear of him, or believe in him in whom they have not heard? Then it says, And then how shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? So circle the word believed. So now it went from sent to preach 
to hear, to believe. Now, believing at this point simply means believing that Jesus Christ is God. Now, you have faith, and faith involves knowledge. They need to know that Jesus Christ is God. Then they have to accept it as truth, but that doesn't yet mean that they have full faith. They heard it. They believe it. That's true. Believing that Jesus died and rose again, that's true. A lot of people believe that. A lot of people heard that story. But now go one step further. And then how shall they call on him whom they have not believed? So now put the last number there, number five. And the reason that is because you can believe something is true, but it's not until you actually rely on it, trust in it, trust completely in it. And we'll say, call upon the Lord. Will you know Christ as Savior? So God tells us, I need to be sent, and I am. Then I need to speak, and I am. Those folks out there need to hear the message of salvation. They also need to believe it is truth. And so there may be some apologetics in that at times. And you know what I'm saying, the defense of the truth. But eventually, there's a time that you need to then ask them, wouldn't you like to trust Jesus Christ as your Savior right now and bring him to a decision? So how do we do this? First of all, we must pray for others to come to faith in Christ. We've covered that, so I'm just reviewing. We need to pray for them. How do we do it? Start praying. Pray for our leaders that they would come to faith in Christ. Pray for the elections that are coming up. Pray for leaders in the business community, in the world of work, your neighbors at school. Secondly, pray for laborers, that there'd be more of us that would go out. And of course, pray for the lost, perhaps even by name, that they'd come to faith. Number two, we must tell others. I I feel like I'm just running through an outline, and I don't want to do that. But I do want you to give the mental thought to that. I start by prayer, but then I also got to talk about the gospel with somebody. You've got to do that, folks. You will give an account of every conversation you've had with anybody in your life. And I don't know how far you can go, how far you should go with that person. Only you and God and the Holy Spirit can do that. But you will have to give an account, as I will. Did I give the gospel? Was I willing to take a stand to tell them about Christ? And then finally, there is the part of giving. World missions is an expensive enterprise. I'm not here to raise money for missions today. That's important. We ought to do that. But I do want you to know there is a giving. There is a partnership with others. Warren Wiersbe, and I really appreciate a lot of insights he's given to me for these messages these last four weeks. He said this, the water of life is free, but it costs to pipe it in. And it's true. And that's where we come in. And I pray that we are praying, we are telling, we're giving. And I might add one other that's not in the outline. I pray that you're going. I pray that maybe the light bulb of the Holy Spirit will light up in you to the point to say... God wants you to be equipped for ministry. Mission, preaching, pastor's wives, Christian school teaching, whatever it might be that you will be in full-time vocational service for him. Nothing to take away from the rest of the butcher bakers and candlestick makers that are using it for the glory of God. You are doing marketplace evangelism and I applaud you for it. But to equip you to do that well, we need these others out here to be called to do that as well here and around the world. I love you folks. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. We've had a full day today. You have gotten way more than your money's worth. I hope you take a lot of this home in your little doggy bag because you were fed today. But with every head bowed and every eye closed, remember there are two audiences I spoke to. I spoke in front of the Lord today, but I spoke to two audiences. One would be those of you who know Christ as Savior. This message was biblical. And so now it's the time. Will you see results? The answer is yes. With the people you expect to see results? I I don't know that. But I do know you'll see results when you're out there every day, frequently, communicating the message that salvation is by grace through faith. Plus nothing, minus nothing. You do it in the power of 
the Holy Spirit and you do it for the glory of God until the day you die. So you ask the Lord, Lord, is there more that I can do? Are there more people I can invite to a meeting where the message is going to be given, whether it's No Fright Kids Night or on Sunday morning? Can I pick up more tracks, Lord, that I could leave when I leave a tip with someone or I send a, a, a note to somebody? Lord, could I engage more faithfully the message of salvation and not be so afraid if, if they don't trust Christ? At least it's better for me to attempt to win a soul to Christ and fail than not attempt to win a soul to Christ and sin. So Lord, help me now. Help me, Lord. I, I want to come to church to worship you, to be different. I want to grow. And growth takes intentional decisions, inspired service, and influence. Now, the second group I want to speak to are those that are on the journey to discover Christ as your Savior. I hope you felt the passion in my heart that I want our Christians to reach out to you because we believe this is truth and we love you and we want you to have a relationship with Christ that we have. Now, we're not perfect, but we are forgiven, but we're not perfect. But we also know that if you do not trust Christ as Savior, the converse of that is Jesus says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but by me. The other way is if you do not trust Christ as your Savior, you will not be in the way, you will not come to the Father, and you'll spend eternity separated from Him. God doesn't want that. Jesus certainly didn't die so that happened to you. We don't want that. But now the question is, is what about you? Are you willing to go on through life without making the decision to trust Christ? How, how, much long, how much more information do you need before you can say yes to Christ? Well, maybe a little bit more. That's okay. I don't know how much more, but how much more? But here's one thing I can say. How much time do you have before God's going to say, your decision time is over, you're dead? You're not going to live forever and you don't know how and when you're going to die. So maybe now's the time to take that little leap of faith and step onto Christ and you'll find him altogether lovely and sustainable for your salvation. So maybe to you, you're going to say, Lord, I'm a sinner. I know I've blown it in my thought, talk and walk. And Lord, I'm coming to you now knowing that I'm separated from you, but I want to be in your forever family. And you said that if I would trust Christ as Savior, that I'd be saved. So Lord... I want you to know that I have no good deed I can do myself that will ever help me to get into heaven. But that, Lord, your grace would be given to me. You'd forgive me with your mercy and say, come on in. So, Lord, I want to thank you for dying and rising again from the dead. Now, if you're saying a, a prayer, you're calling upon the Lord, you're having a communication with God in some measure like that, where that you're fully and, tr fully and only trusting Christ, and you'd like for me to pray for you, I'm going to ask you to slip up your hand. No, we're not going to do an altar call. I'm not going to have you stand up. I'm not going to embarrass you. But I want to know, is there anyone in here today that is so fearful of death and dying and what's on the other side that you will quickly grasp Christ who promises to give to you eternal life, a God who cannot lie if you'll trust Christ. And you're doing that now. You're calling upon the Lord now, telling Him you're, you're His and He's your Savior. And you'd like me to silently know that with an uplifted hand. Are you ready to do that now? Don't put it off. I'd like to pray for you. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, is there anyone in here today that would like for me to pray for them because you're trusting Christ today to be your Savior? Would you slip up your hand? Is there anyone at all? Put it up. Put it down. Put it up. Put it down. Christians, how many of you did the Lord lay someone on your heart that you've kind of given up on but you know you need to go back to and re- connect with that person and that 
you know you want to give the gospel, but you're afraid, but you're going to go back to the Lord for more strength, and you're going to stretch yourself a little bit more in inviting people and engaging in a message of salvation. But you'd like to have your pastor pray for you. Would you slip up your hand right now? Is there anyone that would put your hand up and say silently by that, Pastor, pray for me. I know I've got to let the whole world know, and I know I'll see results, but to do that, I've got to do the planting of the seeds if I'm going to do the reaping of the harvest. So, Pastor, pray for me. Would you slip up your hand? Put your hand up real high so I can see it. Anybody? Inviting people out. Engaging them with the gospel. Amen. Father, I know we, we come to you as your children, broken, battled, bruised. We messed up. But, Lord, I want to thank you for the cleansing of your grace and forgiveness. And that, Father, that this world might be difficult to reach, but it's not impossible. The task might be daunting, but it's doable. And so, Lord, we're going to believe that you said they will believe in you. So since they will believe and they need to hear a speaker and we've been sent, then, Lord, help us to speak faithfully so people will call upon you and be a part of your community of the redeemed. Now, Father, I thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. You're listening to Make It Clear with the teaching of Dr. Stan Pons, founder of Make It Clear Ministries. Make It Clear is dedicated to taking the Word of God with clarity into every person's world. It is the support of listeners like you who make the ministry of Make It Clear possible. You can provide your tax-deductible gift to Make It Clear online by going to makeitclear.org. Or you can mail your gift to Make It Clear, P.O. Box 607-901, Orlando, Florida, 32860. Thank you for helping us Make It Clear. If you would like to have Dr. Pond speak at your church or event, please send us an email at tellmemore at makeitclear.org. Thank you, and remember to make it clear. Thank you.